Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. The second aspect of our afflicted society is extreme materialism. An Asian writer has portrayed our dilemma in candid terms. He says, You call your thousand material devices labor-saving machinery, yet you are forever busy. With the multiplying of your machinery, you grow increasingly fatigued, anxious, nervous, dissatisfied. Whatever you have, you want more, and wherever you are, you want to go somewhere else. Your devices are neither time-saving nor soul-saving machinery. They are so many sharp spurs which urge you on to invent more machinery and to do more business. Martin Luther King Jr., The Three Evils of Society. Hello, I'm Katie Marquette. Welcome to Born of Wonder. On this podcast, we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. I'm starting today's podcast with a quote there from Martin Luther King Jr. from his speech delivered at the National Conference on New Politics, August 31st, 1967, The Three Evils of Society. He's quoting extensively there um, someone he just calls an Asian writer. I wish I knew who it was, but it's a great, great quote that I think of very often, uh, labor-saving devices, and yet you are forever busy, nervous, anxious, dissatisfied, increasingly fatigued, you want to be somewhere else, neither time-saving nor soul-saving machinery, urging you to invent more machinery and do more business. If this isn't the modern world, what is? Uh, And that was written back in the 60s, can you believe it? So, um, Yes, as everyone knows, I am a tech skeptic. I say as I'm looking at my video baby monitor, as I'm podcasting, ready to send out on my email newsletter. So this is not a perfect system I am living in. I am living in the tech world. I am enjoying the tech world. I always say, I've written this many times on Substack, that my ideal world is the You've Got Mail universe where you had a desktop Uh, with your, you know, very happy you've got mail um, (laughs) uh, voice to greet you with your three emails from your actual friends. Um, But basically to have technology in its proper role in life, I really think the smartphone confused a lot of things. And I'm very, very concerned about um, artificial technology, especially uh, as it is creeping into the creative sphere, as it is being used for writing and editing and um, is the impetus for many of these strikes going on in Hollywood uh, over, you know, the use of actors' images and all sorts of things like that. I find um, the extreme rate that artificial intelligence has been developed at to be alarming. I think that there's so many risks that we have opened ourselves up to in the areas of misinformation and... um, real confusion uh, that can cause extreme damage in our society, uh, culturally, economically, in pretty much every way possible. And I think it's also just diluting uh, our appreciation for real um, human experiences. I've talked about this uh, in in a a whole episode about my um, sort of distinguishing what is uniquely human from what uh, artificial artificial intelligence can never give us. And so when um, my friend here, Seth Lewis, he's a listener to the podcast, a very, very interesting person, a real Renaissance man, a musician, um, among other things, um, and also someone who works in technology, who works works with AI um, and actually maybe knows a little bit about it, unlike me. <laughs> so when he reached out and said, you know, we really should do um, a podcast episode about AI, I was game for it because he said that there was wonder to be found in it, that there was wonder to be found in uh, this realm of artificial intelligence. So uh, I, I was intrigued and I'm really glad we had the conversation. I think there's so much more to discuss, 
but um, I think it was really, really helpful for me to talk to somebody um, who is actually using this technology. Um, I've never used it. I've never, I mean, you know, I know that there's sort of underlying AI algorithms to all sorts of things we do, but I've never sort of actively engaged with it. I've never used chat G GPT. I've never edited with AI. I've just, I've never, I wouldn't even know how to go about it. <laughs> um, and, but, but Seth does, he, he, he knows what he's talking about. So I think that you will really like to hear from him, hear from somebody who, who again, uh, knows a bit about this stuff, not just me sort of ranting from the sidelines. I'm going to read you the next paragraph, um, from that Martin Luther King speech, um, because, uh, I think it's relevant here for this conversation. He writes, this tells us something about our civilization that cannot be cast aside as a prejudiced charge by an Eastern thinker with it, who is jealous of Western prosperity. We cannot escape the indictment. This does not mean that we must turn back the clock of scientific progress. No one can overlook the wonders that science has wrought for our lives. The automobile will not abdicate in favor of the horse and buggy or the train in favor of the stagecoach or the tractor in favor of the hand plow or the scientific method in favor of ignorance and superstition. But our moral lag must be redeemed. When scientific power outruns moral power, we end up with guided missiles and misguided men. Oh, really good. This whole, this whole speech is really, really good. Such an incredible writer. Um, so there is wonder to be had here. There's wonder to be appreciated. So I hope that this conversation helps you see that. I hope that, um, it helps you to find balance, uh, with technology in your life. Something I am constantly discerning, as you all know, I think that Seth actually has found a wonderful balance. Uh, I'll let you hear from him directly about how he's discovering that. So, uh, yeah, I just, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, as always, you can find me online at boardofwonder.com. Go to the contact me page, contact me there, email me, marketkatie at gmail.com. Find me over on Substack. I'm writing away over there. Um, yeah, just having a lot of fun writing on Substack. That, that is my place to be these days. Uh, just realistically, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to have an episode out next week. We are traveling later this week, visiting our good friend. Hello, Ellen, if you're listening, we're so excited to see you. Um, uh, yeah, and say a prayer for us, more plane travel with little babes and little kids. So uh, yeah, wish us well. Say a prayer to St. Christopher for us, please. <laughs> and whoever is the patron saint of like little kids specifically on planes, that would be great. I don't know. I guess St. Christopher covers all bases for travel. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to have an episode out for next week. It's also my birthday week. So I have some fun things planned, hopefully. And um, yeah, so that will be, we'll have a week off next week and then we will hit the ground running again so in any case hope you are enjoying this amazing amazing time of year almost the first day of fall almost national hobbit day so just so many good things I, that's the 22nd so um lots to look forward to there all right well i hope you enjoy this conversation i hope it gives you lots to think about about ai and technology and the role it plays in our lives and uh and gives you something to wonder about too. It gives you a little inspiration. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Seth Lewis. So today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be joined by Seth Lewis, who is a listener to Born of Wonder, had reached out to me, what is it, like a year or two ago now, and we've been sort of chatting on and off since then. And he always has great advice for me about the blog and the podcast, and he also actually works in uh, in the tech industry and knows things about AI, not just my sort of philosophical musings about it. So when he had the idea to do a conversation about AI and potentially even some good sides to AI, I was like, well, this will be interesting since everybody knows that I like to rant against it. So I'm so glad, Seth, that you're here. And if there's, you know, I'd love for you to tell our listeners more about what you do also and just where your interest in this uh, topic comes from. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me on. I love Board of Wonder. I love your work. And yeah, this is so great. So really quick introduction. I am it's a cliche at this point, but I am one of those jack of all trades, master of none people. Um, I grew up doing mostly a lot of sports and stuff. 
I got into like arts and music in high school, went to college, I have a music degree, but you know, it's hard to, to do much with that. Um, but I did try. So January 31st of 2020, I quit my day job to be a uh, music teacher, to be a, a private piano instructor. I was doing it part-time and I was like, you know, I'm going to open my studio full-time. I'm going to do this. And that was January 31 of 2020. Everyone knows what happened next. So, <laughs> um, timing. Long story short, I got into coding, um, just website development, you know, some some pretty basic stuff. And I've always been interested in and and pretty, what's the right word, facile with uh, basic things on the computer and uh, software, things like that. Um, but even by 2020, I was not on social media. I'm not hooked to my phone. There was a stretch of time from 2017 to 2019 where I didn't even have Wi-Fi in my house. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> so you're talking to a person who I, I did not grow up deeply invested in tech. I did not see myself at working, end up working for a software, California software company. Um, and I'm small potatoes there. I'm not driving any real major volume or initiatives, but I'm doing some good work. So that's kind of how I just, through 2020, through needing to find work, uh, wanting to do it remotely, I just learned a few skills and I'm still building on those. And that's that's the general background. So as far as like philosophy of these things, I, I'm talking to you on a computer. I talk, you know, we've talked about tech and things like that. When I'm done work, the phone is away. I'm not near it. I'm not, I never had a struggle with social media. Um, I did realize at some point it's not helpful to post very strong opinions sometimes. So I said, mm -hmm. you know what, I'm just gonna leave this. And that's been like eight, nine years at this point where I just yeah. don't really post. Mm -hmm. So um, the inspiration for the conversation came because, um, I, you know, you know, I've, I, I, I have come across your work over the years and it has been soul nourishing. And um, my mother-in-law actually introduced me to your work uh, during a very difficult time in my life. And your, is it the article, is it the, the dangerous digitization? Mm -hmm. um, that, that was definitely one of my favorites. And, um, you know, things that you've posted and, and things that you've talked about living in this modern world as a person who kind of feels like we're, you know, we were meant for a different age, right? <laughs> like, yes. there's, a, there's a lot of that. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I am, I am a strange combination of, of artist, bookworm, techie, and mm -hmm. I wish I could be a Luddite. I really wish yeah. I could. I really mm -hmm. wish I could just be like, forget it. You know, yeah. you know, you know, I'm living in the hills of, of New Hampshire now. I'm loving that. My wife's loving that. I married a, I married a woman who is not, I mean, they, they grew up with a small black and white TV. This is the nineties. Wow. <laughs> so um, you're just, you're just talking to a guy who's just like yeah. this. I'm just, I'm weird, man. I'm weird. I love it. Yeah. That's such a so. great, I feel like Seth though, that you've, you have found a balance that so many people have not like how you say that you can just sort of mentally uh, put the phone away, put work away. Um, just that's like a, a gift that you have because I think many of us, myself included, like if I have the phone in my hand, I'm so tempted to be working all the time. Like that's just how my brain is um, working or texting with friends or just, you know, just sort of just being active um, mentally in ways that I shouldn't be. Um, but uh, I'm also with you where I it's it's really hard because if you want to be sort of part of the cultural conversation today, if you want to be part of society, um, you know, it's online now it, it is. So we kind of have to figure out a way to live with this. So I have, you know, I, I think I'm finding some good boundaries and some good balance um, recently, especially with deleting social media. But um, these discussions of AI, which is something that I really don't understand. And of course, AI is like a very big term. I mean, for many different technologies, right? So we're talking about chat GPT, but we're also talking about um, 
like like um, what companies using sort of to to monetize things, to advertise things, to create content, um, writing, editing, all sorts of things. So maybe you can help us understand a little bit. Um, like, how do you? I don't use AI. I've never used ChatGP. I don't. You. I don't have to use it. So you do use it. So what does that even look like? So absolutely happy to to speak on that. I just want to make the point that in my estimation and the, you know, kind of the genesis for this conversation is that I think that whether it's AI or other technologies, I think that we can understand if we understand them and if we do are able to, to reasonably, you know, measure or reasonably incorporate them. If we desire, we don't have to, but if you desire to incorporate these technologies, you can see them as beautiful, like wonderful. That's what, and that's what this is all about was, you know, there is an awe and wonder here. There is a joy that I have in not necessarily playing around with AI because I don't do that much with it, but there's joy and a beauty and a wonder in um, creating and in, 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 you know, working with some of these technologies. So just wanted to make that point that that's, that's what kind of drives it for me. So the <laughs> really long story uh, or really short version of the long story is that the idea, the concept of artificial intelligence is thousands of years old, uh, you know, going back to um, going back to Greek mythology and then, you know, other mythologies, right? This idea that, that humans uh, and, and the gods can, can, either work together or or something but goes back to that that whole prometheus thing right like with the fire and the and the technique and all of that and i was actually interested because one of the articles that you referenced uh, on this on substack you know the guy was talking about this um so this idea of like this dangerous tech the technology this this danger of it goes back a long time specifically the term artificial intelligence goes back to the 40s right coinciding with the uh, creation of the first computers. Um, and the most, probably one of the most crucial concepts to understand about AI and about these technologies is the idea of neural networks. So neural networks, neural nets, whatever people call them. Um, these are, this is basically a way that we have figured out how to, how to connect systems of these nodes, um, that, that connect like neurons in the human brain. Right. So there are these computer algorithms, mathematical algorithms that recognize patterns and correlations in raw data, raw data. Um, they, they can chunk it, they can interconnect it, they can classify it. And over time, like the human brain, these networks grow and, and these synapses, you know, uh, become new synapses. Like, you know, if you go to sleep, like and you're learning something before you go to bed and you pick it up when you when you wake up. Right. And, like, you know, new connections and things happening. So this is happening. Uh, you know, in real, this, this is really happening in the last 80 years. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is a principal point uh, of the technology. Um, we could go into lots of things. There are distinctions between the neural nets and the machine learning and the deep learning and all of that. Um, I won't bore you with those details, but artificial intelligence is used primarily to automate repetitive learning um, and discovery through, through data. So AI is what automates these repetitive learning and uh, this discovery through this data collection, through this data, not just collection, that sounds really creepy. And believe me, I'm one of those privacy people. So like, don't collect my data without me telling you that you can. So do not sound creepy. It just goes back to that neural network idea. Um, but it automates these manual tasks. It, it what's, the, what's the phrase? Augments. Right, it augments the intelligence and the insights, the collection of insights that we have now, and it does this reliably. So um, it does this based on that whole neural network idea. So, so many more aspects of that, but you can understand why the fascination with this, because humans have figured out how using math, using inputs and outputs, using computational power, how to how to expand and augment what is the most fascinating, you know, thing in the universe, as far as we know, 
you know, outside of, of God himself, like the human brain, the God's creation of the brain is like, we have figured out how to, how to, what's not replicated, but as I said, augment it, how mm -hmm. to use that in pockets and in places where we, where we need to, and how to continue to learn how to, how to have this thing, these entities, these combinations of algorithms continuing to learn and work, you know, for us. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. But people take it, <laughs> you know, people take it a little far. <laughs> uh, I think we can acknowledge that. But I don't know, is that help kind of? That, that is helpful. Them? It's it's helpful, I think, to think of it as sort of a pattern recognizing mechanism that um, connects ideas, connects, you know, uh, like if you're just thinking of just the overload of information that's online, that sort of AI can sort of see all that in a way that our, you know, human brain could not comprehend and could make that into something digestible and understandable. Um, and certainly I can see how just in the way that we live now on this massive global scale where we've put all this information into these this huge sort of online network, it can be very helpful and maybe even necessary to have um, some sort of computerized, you know, automated way to digest and understand that information. So I think in that role of a tool, um, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, it settled down a little bit, but over the summer, especially, there were so many articles coming out, either doom and gloom, or with sort of unbelievable excitement over AI, like just sort of extreme reactions. Like this was, I, there was some, I think it was a honestly episode, um, Barry Weiss's podcast where the, some AI creator compared it to, Prome compared it to like Prometheus finding fire, you know, that it was like, this is the dawn of mankind. And I was like, that is ridiculous. But um, I, I think that people are very uh, eager to, I don't know, subscribe certain uh, like existential quandaries, like trying to have that be solved by AI. And I think maybe that's where we're running into trouble, not in its um, in its capacity as a tool. Uh, do you find something to be distinctly different about AI from other technologies? Or is this just sort of um, a passing thing that it's just sort of an excitement over a new technology that hasn't settled down yet? This is not going anywhere. And it is it the advancements in the last 20 or so years, from what I understand. And again, you're talking to a person who is very much a layman. While I use ChatGPT and some other various AI generated tools, mm -hmm. um, but as from my understanding and research of it, because I am very concerned again about where is it getting its information, how is it, how are these outputs working, how how can we trust this? Yeah, this is different. <laughs> this is this is this is this is a fundamentally th different moment in mm. in our history, and that's fine. That's like that's you know, it's good to have different moments. <laughs> it's good to have some some discoveries. But yeah, this is not just oh, it can tell you. It can read in the seventies. These technologies could tell you oh, that's a cat, or like it could recognize hand uh, handwriting, and then by the 2000s it was starting to like recognize images pretty well like no no this is different <laughs> so mm -hmm. i do totally understand that um and on the one hand i i ai is that one article you shared with me or, or that i found ai is not here to save us i don't mm. have i think it's creepy the idea of ai just being everywhere and we just adopting it like It'll be your new tutor. It'll be your new friend. It'll be mm. your new this. It'll be your new that. Creepy, weird, mm. <laughs> right? And mm. and you're talking to a person who I've tried Kindle reading and iPad reading. I like books. I like mm -hmm. physical paper books. I like the smell. Mm. I like the sound, right? So um, that creeps me out. At the same time, yeah, the 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 doomsday rhetoric is not helpful because often it is not it it is not founded on what's the right way to say it it's often not founded on on ideas or, or principles or logic that can be reduced or that can be mm. tested 
a lot of the fear is is about things that cannot be tested um and a lot of the and that cannot be proven um but i understand it because the advancement that this technology has taken the life that ai if we were to use life in that term in those ways the life that ai has taken on in the last couple of decades and specifically the last few years and even 12 months you know it it surprised even its own proponents, innovators, et cetera. Um, so I think that it is wonderful. I think that it is fraught with many dangers, but this is true of many human endeavors. This is also true of humans. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and we are dangerous, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, so, so I, I, all that to say to answer your question, this is a fundamentally different moment I do think that we need to be aware and concerned and having conversations, even on a familial level, like how do we, do we want to use this stuff? What is this stuff? How, how much of this, you know, don't, don't, my advice to people, don't put your life into chat GPT. Don't tell chat GPT personal details, right? Like mm -hmm. it's just gonna, it's, you don't know where that's going to go and how that network is going to get all connected, yeah. but mm -hmm. I think these conversations are important, but yeah, Katie, you're not, you're not making, you're not making things up. Like this is, mm. this is different. Yeah. Well, I think um, just like my little pushback against it would be, you know, we human beings are innovators certainly, but we don't have to innovate everything. I mean, just because we can, should we, I mean, I think that people would say, you know, things about like atomic bombs and things like that we can argue about whether that technology should have been developed or not um you know at the time it seemed necessary or um and maybe it was you know that's a different ethical debate but like that our capacity to do things our ability to do things does not necessitate doing them and i think with ai um it sounds like there's been sort of a like you say like a big leap forward that maybe was uh, underestimated just how far it could go in sort of opening this Pandora's box. And uh, I'm just going to read a few statistics from it's a it's a Ted Joya article um, about uh, about AI that I'll put in the show notes. But 72% um, of Americans want AI development to s slow down. Only 8% want it accelerated. Um, there are lawsuits, you know, out the wazoo over this stuff. Um, Hollywood studios are striking uh, over AI because, you know, actors want the, the, don't want their images used without permission. Um, New York Times is considering a lawsuit against AI. Um, and AI itself is not necessarily getting better at what it says that it can do. It's getting worse at some things. It, it's getting worse at doing math. Um, it lies. It gives false statements. There's a lot of um, a lot of misinformation that's been spread by AI. So, like, what is this? What what's the solution? I mean, I, we you and I obviously have no sort of no power to to uh, go up and say, okay, stop doing this right now. But I think just as consumers of technology, as participants in society, it's important to sort of we don't have to do everything uh what do you think think i mean is there a way to sort of roll back some of this stuff on ai should we be rolling it back or is it just sort of like it's happened and uh we need to figure it out the first distinction i want to make is that a lot of ai tools technology chat gpt included are based on these uh, LLM, large language models. They are not designed to do computation and uh, yeah. calculation, I should say, calculation. And one person helped as a helpful way of putting it, which is that ChatGPT and other related similar technologies are probability machines. They are not truth-telling machines. Mm. And so I, I agree with you that if the proponents of or the innovators of this technology and then the companies who are backing that financially, right, backing the advancement of this technology are purporting that it is an a solution for existential problems or that it is in some way, you know, a, a, however you want to put it, a truth-telling machine. And if that's what was being purported, and then we find that that's not the case, 
then obviously that's a problem. But fundamentally, this neural networks, deep learning, all of that, it is, it is at its core, it is a probability game. It is a numbers game. It is, it is, you know, it is not again a truth-telling machine. These are not truth-telling machines. So the concerns, which are very real, about consulting AI technologies, consulting these large language models, and expecting the results to be truthful, um, that's a problem. You you have to go in knowing that the it's still it's still the same basics. You have to have good inputs to get good outputs. How do we define good? Boy, that's a whole you know, we can get into that. That's that's philosophical and that's important. It's important to realize that there have to be philosophical, there has to be strong philosophy with any of this stuff. I mean, Katie, we're so far removed from from not just computers being created and used, but from them entering each household. Mm-hmm. There are major philosophical conversations, implications of of offloading our lives onto just, you know, your MacBook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? So back to the, the question at hand, I do not, I am not an, I'm not a fan of rolling back. I don't think we can, first off. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we can or that we should try to roll back in the sense of delaying development or stifling development of the technology. Um, and it, it's, we're just in, we're in a unique moment. Well, this is, I should say, like I said earlier, this is a, this is a special moment. This is a, a, a rare moment. This is an important moment. However, I want to say it's not unique in that this is not the first time where we've had to, we've had lots of concern about the speed at which technology, tools, automation is being developed, enhanced, and the societal implications of that. And what we learn is essentially that, again, that deep philosophical thinking that honest and open um, and, and, you know, truthful communication has to happen around the best ways to leverage these tools and that people have to learn how to draw, draw their lines. I think that attempting to roll back the development of this only, only causes more harm because now you have people who are benefiting from being scared of the technology, like financially benefiting from being scared of the technology. That's not to say that anyone should do whatever they want. They should be able to just steal someone's art and, you know, art of, uh, you know, artificially uh, dumb it down, pun intended. But, you know, like, uh, it, it, that's not to say that er- that the world should be reckless. However, it is to say that the technology itself is not going anywhere. It is, it is, and it is important to develop it so that we better understand it. Because what scares us the most about AI and surrounding technologies is what we don't or can't know at the moment. Um, and this was summed up by a guy, uh, his name's Stephen Wolfram. He has this, he, he's written for a long time. He spent much of his life figuring out how to, how to, um, you know, uh, understand things in terms of computation. And he has this term called computational irreducibility. That's a big term. But the idea is that if you have A, B, and C, A is like, you know, something very basic. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an image or it's a computer program or whatever. And you can reduce that to, you know, how it got to where it is and you know what it's going to do. You know, it's in, you know, how to give it the right inputs, you know, how to get good outputs, you know, how it's made. You go to B, it's a little bit more advanced. You get some of the you get all of A plus new advancements onto B, and but you can still understand like inputs, outputs. You can still reduce that mm-hmm. to some of its parts. C is yes, this combination of A, B, and the learning and the networks and the and the conjunctions and evolutions of A and B. But <laughs> C, which is where AI is, we don't. It, we, it surprises us, and C you don't always know what the outputs are going to be. It is so deep and vast 
And even though it is, again, basic computation just over and over and over again, there is something about these neural networks that surprised us and that we don't actually know how it's going to, what it's going to do next. <laughs> we don't know, and that scares us. And what I'm saying is that's okay. Like it's actually okay because I think that again, coming back to what I said a few moments ago about needing to have strong philosophy, this idea of computational irreducibility, meaning that we cannot reduce these AI, uh, a lot of these tools or, or artificial intelligence in general, we cannot reduce it to uh, things that we can predict per se. This is not new, but this is a bubble burst. This mm -hmm. is, we have been told, most of us for several generations have been told science, technology will solve existential problems, right? Mm -hmm. We have been told science, technology, we, that will give us the, the, the meaning of life and help us understand our place in the universe. And over and over again, over the centuries, we've learned that that's not true, but we've still been in this like 200 year old bubble and AI is bursting that epistemological bubble. It's mm. saying, hey, you created this thing, but you don't actually know. <laughs> you don't actually know where it's going next. And that just because we don't know doesn't mean it's going to be the Terminator machine and kill us all. <laughs> and I love, like, I, I love those kinds of movies. I grew up on those kinds of movies. I didn't grow up reading, you know, reading uh, British literature. I grew up watching those kinds of movies, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, that's what scares us most is that mm -hmm. we, is what we don't know, can't know. It's moving so fast. However, just what I've been reading and seeing the, the doomsday scenarios, the, the des and, and the desire to just, well, let's just put it under on a chain so that we can make it safer. The desire mm -hmm. to tame that which is truly beautiful and awesome uh, on, on its own. There is nothing immoral about the technology itself. It's the people that are the problem. Mm -hmm. That to me is, is problematic. And I think instead of trying to chain it, we need to be good stewards of it and we need to learn from it and we need to, we need to set our own boundaries, whether that be societal or, you know, whatever, but, but, uh, yeah, I think that it's a long, long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, these, yeah. Uh, yeah, these are these are long answer type questions. <laughs> uh, they, but I think what concerns me though is that um, Seth, you are not the one running these organizations, and most of these people do not have your philosophical uh, bent. And I think that money is a much bigger driver than. Um, you know, caution or even caring about users' safety or experience. And I also think just it's sort of like it's like two parts of my brain. I have the philosophical side, but I also have the really practical side where I think, you know, sure, this is how it should be used, but people are people and this is how they will use it. They will use it to seek out you know, they will use it as a truth telling machine. I mean, I just read a really depressing article about all these young men who aren't dating anymore because they have AI girlfriends. And it's, it's gross. It's really like really sad. And this is how human beings, like, I don't know if our brains, our real human brains can, um, can, can deal with this. I don't know if we, I don't know if there's a healthy way. Um, I agree with you that in and of itself, it's a, it's a piece of technology. It is what it is. We created it, but I don't know if there is a safe way to engage mm. with the technology. I've been speaking fairly, um, technically and abstractly. Mm -hmm. So allow me to get, I appreciate you talking about the practical, allow me to get practical. So I just did this experiment. I'm going to Maine in a few weeks. Uh, my wife is from Maine. You've my been favorite to Maine. Place. Yeah, it's just I love right. Maine. Great so, time of year to go to. Exactly. I've never been in peak foliage, by the way. Oh, like, this yeah. is my first time. Um, be amazing. It's around my birthday. Like I'm super excited. <laughs> so, it, you know, I've been married seven years. I've known my wife now ten years or so at this point. Like I've been, we've been there a lot. Her family is there. I know the area pretty well at this point or, or well for someone who didn't grow up there. 
I put into chat GPT, I told it I was going for a certain amount of days. And it's, don't give its exact location, but you know, just general, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> going a certain amount of days. Here are the kinds of hikes I'm looking for. Here are the kinds of campgrounds I'm looking for. Here are examples of restaurants that I like. Find me new places, three, five new hikes, three new restaurants in this you know, span of time, go. And the results were pretty good. And then as I improved what I was putting in, it showed me parks, hikes, and a hole in the wall that I had never, like I couldn't find on just Google searching. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Okay. Something that I think that's mundane, but it does that for you. You have a vacation mm -hmm. itinerary, boom, like that. Mm -hmm. um, in my work, uh, it, it, it's helping. But I have a very a personal situation right now that, um, or I, I say personal, a situation that is personal or close to home right now. Um, and that involves um, potentially some legal consultation. And chat GPT-4 basically you can pay you know pay for the added powers and computational this and that and blah blah, blah. you cap chat gpt4 isn't supposed to like serve as giving you legal advice however the kind of research that you pay a lawyer a 600 dollars retainer fee for you can go to it for that information because mm -hmm. what is it it has just consumed so much data and information the cost of having to consult the attorney, you know, that initial bit or having to find some answers to very specific questions just went from several hundreds thousands to a quick subscription to chat GPT four. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, I'm bringing that into the question of like, how do we, how do we practically understand the, how do we understand the place of this technology in our lives? This, I mean, I mean it already has cut the cost of production for so many different, um, you know, uh, what's, what's the right word, uh, different, different industries or different pursuits. And I know you're, what you're talking about the, the people with the money and everything. I, I'm not talking about people who are out to just make a profit. I just mean everyday people. Um, I've done, you know, my share of attempts at small businesses. So like, I know how hard it is to like try to get something going when it's just you or one or two other people. And I work with people like that all the time, work with small businesses. Um, like the cost of the, the, the barrier to entry internationally, right. For people in the third world to enter into our global technocratic scene and lift themselves up out of poverty. Like this is, this is happening right now because the barrier to entry is much lower is much easier the cost of entry is much lower is much easier because all of this information it and all of the, the the human knowledge that we have accumulated is augmented and is easily accessible through technologies like ChatGPT and like you know other other offshoots of that other versions of that um, you can build your own you can you can you can take the raw chat GPT free or, or paid version, and you can build your own plugins and extensions into it to be more private, more secure, uh, but to do specific things that the current open AI model cannot do. And so you, mm -hmm. there is a much finer level of control than it appears to be on the surface. Um, but those examples like the itinerary, the legal consult, the, 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 the business you know, owners and the and like, those are really important examples to me of how this technology is in, in many cases, I, I don't, I want to be careful with not saying more cases than not, because I just don't know there's so many people in so many cases, but I'm just not surrounded by people who are looking to take over the world or to like have the world's riches, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm just not surrounded by those people at work or, or in my everyday, like interactions on the internet with people around this technology, most of us are leveraging this stuff and benefiting from, yeah, someone else forking over the cash for the research or whatever, but most of us are benefiting from this in spades on a very practical level to, again, the tune of a retainer, a retainer fee versus a monthly subscription to chat GPT or, you know, uh, a specialized knowledge in this or that technology to five seconds and, and boom, you, you are, 
moving on with your day, your business, your podcast, your whatever. It's really, it's really that nuts and bolts practical. And again, it's controllable. It's, it's customizable. It is, um, it, you know, it can be hardened is, was the kind of the word we use to make it more secure, to make it more, um, make it more privacy focused. Again, that's a big point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's where I, so just to speak practically, that's kind of where I'm at with it is those kind of examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I'm just going to debate you just because. Sure. I love that. it. So I'm just, oh, I'll I just love it. Back a little bit, which is that, um, I hear you on like, okay, making a nice vacation itinerary. I love to do that. Look up places before I go have a good idea. Um, but I also, I just wrote an essay about sort of what we lose when we plan our vacations a little bit too much. Like if we have mm-hmm. these search engines and things like that, we are less likely to just take a random turn and maybe find a place that we wouldn't have otherwise. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's not like sort of a moral right or wrong. It's just a question of like, is this necessarily better? I don't know. Um, practically, I totally hear you about not wanting to pay that attorney fee, but then that attorney doesn't, uh, is devalued. Like, I think that, you know, and maybe I don't feel as bad for some high powered attorney, but I'll give in like my own case, you know, a lot of audio editing is now AI done, you know, that's, um, I'm, I'm a lot (laughs) more expensive of an audio editor than AI. In graduate school, I used to um, type up transcriptions for audio things like that. Like that's almost people rarely do that anymore. Um, And yes, it's sort of like uh, not very like intellectual work all the time, but like that paid money and it was a good it was a decent way to spend time. And I just don't know the way I don't necessarily think that just doing things efficiently is always just that in and of itself is good. Um, I also good point about the, you know, small businesses. Absolutely. I know about that personally, but it's like, I just wonder sort of in our offloading all of this to online, like, as you know, like you, it's very hard to make it in any other career other than a tech career, but that's not necessarily what you wanted to do. And maybe that if these technologies were not the only option, maybe there would be more opportunities for small businesses or musicians or things like that. But instead, everything has to go through technology. Everything has to go through AI. So if we've accepted that this is just the way the world is, then okay, like, I guess there are some benefits to participating in that world, like the AI can offer, but I just don't know. I don't, I'm not really convinced that it's been worth it. I think the things it's mm. taken away, it's just like AI just takes away jobs. That's all it does. It takes away. It takes away. I mean, I'm just not convinced. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wow. Um, so but other than things. that. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Katie, I love this. So let me just choose one or two. So I would say this beautiful thing about this time, this moment that we're in, is the awareness of exactly what you're talking about. Is the awareness that, yeah, I can Google it, but it's kind of just more fun to go out and discover on my own. What I'm doing right now, so I have a cell phone number, but I don't actually have a cell phone plan. Mm. I have like a Wi-Fi calling app, so it does not work if I'm not on Wi-Fi. Like wow. The contact. You know what I've done? I've started doing. I'm back to early 2000s, Katie. I'm printing maps at my house. <laughs> MapQuest. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't you remember, right? Yeah. The point of that is just to say, I I have this, I, I just, I love the moment we're in because I can choose to go super like, give me, give me the Google Earth view of this and that blah 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 Mm -hmm. or i can say you know what nope Uh, Mm -hmm. i don't need that i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna get a little lost today Mm -hmm. and so i know that that's not specifically related to the ai but but it is part of this whole conversation and why Mm -hmm. it was it's so like why it's so cool to have a conversation because we're we're in a moment where we weren't in the 90s, early 2000s, where I think most of us were just like, oh, yeah, new new thing, new thing, cell phones, mm-hmm. blah, 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 like, you know, we're in this moment where a lot of us are like, wait, but I don't have to opt into that. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so 
So to get to one of one of the points that you made, um, wow, which one of the ones? Which one of the points do I want to talk about? I guess I guess the 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 biggest thing I want to address is is that is the is the technology worth it? Like the mm-hmm. question, mm-hmm. and only the answer to that is that, in my estimation, is that only you can really answer that is it is it worth it though like i can google it sure or i can do this or i can have it i can we can have the ais create art but is that really worth it though like Mm. i kind of want the imperfection of the human i want i want not not just to highlight imperfections but i want the idiosyncrasies i want the i want the 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 skin right Mm -hmm. the the brain of the human Mm -hmm. when i go to to a to, to a concert Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't want this AI generated classical music or rock music for that or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Um, however, Katie, you're a podcaster. You're mm-hmm. a writer. You're an editor. You're a this or that. Like whatever else is going to come up. The automation, the the automation, the automaton aspect of the AI is already somewhere behind the scenes. And it's already helping you in ways that you probably just don't realize. Mm-hmm. And that's if you've decided to opt into that, and if it's saving you time to where you can do your, you can have your platform cheaper than we could twenty years ago, faster than we could mm-hmm. 20, to more people, to the more the people that you want twenty years, you know, finding your audience and your audience finding you, like then yeah, like that's worth it. But it doesn't mean you have to say that it's all good mm-hmm. or that it's all, you know worth worth it quote you know in air quotes here so i i think that i know you are asking on a societal level and i'm kind of dodging the question (laughs) i'm kind of dodging well i'm not really even i'm not even saying there's necessarily a clean answer i wouldn't expect you to have one i don't i'm just sort of like i i i appreciate what you've brought up because i think you're right that um in the 90s and early 2000s there was sort of just a a faith in progress that for progress sake. And I do see like, you know, we are now having the conversation that like, what is good for us? What is not good for us? You know, um, and I, there's a lot more nuance there. And I hadn't really thought about it the way that you've put it, which is a really good point that like, sort of we needed it to be pushed this far. And to see sort of AI's unexpected aspects for us to say, well, you know what, there actually is, you know, a limit here. And um, maybe we're asking things of technology that technology is never going to be able to give us. Um, so I do, I mean, and you're right. I mean, like I, I have my moments of being very cynical about the human race, but on a, you know, just, I can just say from anecdotal experience that lots of people are having these conversations personally for their fan. It's not a given anymore about, you know, if your kid will have a phone or not, if you have a phone or not, I think that it's more accepted and, encouraged to be um conscious about it so i think that is a very fair point yeah as i said earlier i would love to be one of those people that just doesn't engage with it at all and i'm serious Mm -hmm. like that's not that's not tongue-in-cheek like i really would love that and as far as it goes for my personal data privacy as far as it goes like having autonomy and and you know sovereignty over my information like what i do not consent to being used and sold and all of that like that's mm-hmm. a real big point of focus for me and so i'm very cognizant so i i, I have like it takes time to get to a, a more ideal place where you're engaging with these technologies but in the way that works best um mm-hmm. it's it's a constant it's a constant practice but i would like to just say because it takes so much work i would like to just say forget it man like mm-hmm. I, I will know. i will but if you aren't, and, and, and that is a valid way of living. So I don't want mm-hmm. anyone hearing this to be like, I'm not dismissing that way of living. I'm saying it's just, it's just not going to work for us. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And most people are here and many of us, and like you said, in your more cynical moments, I often, I often feel trapped, like stuck. Like mm-hmm. I have to, I do, I do. I have to report to this computer every day. I mm-hmm. do have to like do these certain things. But so if you, if you aren't going to be in the strictly no tech, state Mm -hmm. today 
we have so many more options and, and ways to, uh, options isn't the right word. That, that was a terrible way of putting it. We have, we, we understand so much more now in these mm-hmm. conversations that we're having. We also, we also do technically because of the hard work of a lot of people sitting behind computers and figuring these things out, we have a way to take back autonomy and sovereignty of our lives interacting with these machines. And that to me is that that's, that's a good thing. That is a mm-hmm. net, that is a net positive. If we know we have to live in the world and interact with the machines, it is a net positive to be kind of in, in this place a bit. So um, maybe that's kind of reiterating some things I've already said, but, but yeah, it is lonely for a lot of people. Um, I want to, there's a, there's a, if I could, if I could go to the, the debate point, a lot of people are bemoaning the fact that like the guys who aren't dating girls, like, cause they're whatever, you know, cause they're, they're, <laughs> it's weird. I have these relationships with their AI or whatever, like, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. So the, there, there's a problem there. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. However, before the advent of the AIs and the machines, not every human conversation human to human conversation was better than having a conversation with an AI, right? Having a guy who's lonely and doesn't want to get out and wants to have a conversation with AI and pretend that's his girlfriend is like, it's kind of pathetic and sad, but that's just because that's a computer conversation doesn't mean that he should go downtown Baltimore where I'm from and have a conversation about getting meth or crack, right? Like a very extreme example of what, but like the point I'm making is just because it's a computer conversation, it doesn't, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it bad per se. And it doesn't make it, it doesn't, and just because it's a human conversation doesn't make it good or healthy. And so the fear that people are going to have more computer conversations and less of the human interaction conversations, first of all, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but the idea that like, oh, like the human conversation is just always going to be better. I see, I, I see that kind of thinking in the doomsday writing. And I'm like, well, th- we need to qualify what, what, what we're saying here. I don't think that's what you're saying, but. And no, what but I'm I would, writing, I would say though, that like the, the, what the AI is facilitating though, is an illusion of connection mm-hmm. where there is no connection. So it could have been healthier, healthier in quotes to realize to go go out on the streets and be looking for meth because then you realize you have a problem like none of these guys know they have a problem like they think this is normal and a lot of these people at least in this article i can send it to you and put in the notes as well are not the kind of guys who would be wandering this these are normal you know professional guys who are just discouraged and lonely and this is easy and um so many of these things in technology i think make things seem easy that um, we that should be hard because that's real life. So it's sort of opting into an illusion or opting into the difficulties of real life. That would just be my pushback. But I hear your point. It's not like it's not like instead of using AI, all these people would be off, you know, um, happily married and having wonderful lives. Like like AI is one aspect of you know what could be a difficult situation. Um, so I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so my just general way of living here is I I, I learn what I can. Mm-hmm. I I find what's what I think is valuable. I, I got to try to like investigate that because just because something even even things that are beneficial to you, we've learned right does not mean that it's that it's ultimately for your benefit or that it has your best interest in mind or will be of your best interest later. Mm-hmm. Um, so my just general posture towards these things is if you feel like it's becoming too much, it probably has been. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like it is beautiful, I loved your essay on, on quitting social media. Like you said, I want to live. I want the kind of life that does not have, captions hashtags a like count and i was like right on man <laughs> i'm like i'm like i'm right on with you 
I would, and I add to that, I want the kind of life that that flourishes, period. Mm-hmm. And to the end of a life that is flourishing to a life that is that gives to others to a life that has the time and the opportunity mm-hmm. to give to others. Yeah, these tools are and these are these advancements are are really great, are really paramount. Uh, I don't say paramount, but I want to say are, 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 are a part of that, are an essential mm-hmm. part of modern life and they're essential to to flourishing i believe if you want if you want to engage with them Mm -hmm. that's that's the thing is if you want to if you do not want to if you feel like you've been when in doubt drop it (laughs) When, when you feel like it's becoming too much and it's ruling you like drop it Mm-hmm. That's and that's the thing is in the in the in the 90s 2000s when all the tech boom and the dot com bubble and all that like we were at a place where people were like well why would we we can't drop this like look it's so great it's so great it's so, mm-hmm. it's so great it's like we're at a point now where we're like yeah drop it and that's mm-hmm. easier said than done in some arenas again I can't just walk out of my job today and mm-hmm. most people are not that place and as you said as an artist yeah good luck making a <laughs> a living as an artist versus a technical support rep. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but I believe that we're creative enough to to generate and to create those outlets that we need to exercise our exercise our what's our right way to say, you know, but people 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 talk about like your creative aspect or self. But I mean, it's not just a creative self. It's myself to, mm-hmm. to be to be creative. I think we can mm-hmm. find even in a world that is in a society that's all you know stem and not so much the the liberal arts but mm-hmm. i think that we can find our pockets in our own communities and find our way forward mm-hmm. and having the time personally for me having the time to even put into practicing piano or guitar mm-hmm. is largely because i can automate some things that i would have had to do manually sure. that's that's yep. that's where i'm at you know what i mean mm-hmm. but when in doubt drop it man like mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we could just keep going on, Seth, but we'll have to leave it there. Just sort of leave our listeners with uh, maybe maybe a part two. We'll check in again sometime and just see see if we can uh, see how it's going and everything. But you've given us a lot to think about, and I really really appreciate you taking the time and sort of uh, just pushing on these ideas a little bit. It's good for me. Um, I have this very like Luddite streak, but I also really love engaging with technology in the many ways that I do. Um, I think we're similar in that way. So I also appreciate the balance that you found in your life. I think it's very inspirational. But um, I I didn't tell you about this beforehand, but I normally, um, as you know, uh, ask people if they've been listening to anything or reading anything that is bringing wonder to their life, a song, a book, anything. If, if I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if there's something that you have in mind uh, for our listeners. I do. Recently, I just recently bought a, a book um, and it is, I know that you have Catholic listeners and, and some folks aren't and that's fine. I just, the thing that is bringing me joy and wonder is a book um, called praying the bible and it's about the lectio divina it's about practicing that and i'm getting i'm i'm making space in my life right now in the morning in particular to for meditation for just quiet and for contemplation and getting into that practice of of praying the scriptures and of lovingly lovingly pouring over that Mm -hmm. that has been really important to me so it's a slow process because i'm impatient now that's part of what's you know one of the things about this technology is you get more impatient Mm -hmm. um you know but but that has been uh mcgrassi is the author of that uh book praying the bible um so for those who are inclined to to read i'll put um, a link in the show notes yeah it's a beautiful, it's dense, but it's, it's rightfully dense. Like mm-hmm. it's the kind of subject where you hope it's dense. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. 
And so uh, for is- listeners uh, who may not know, um, the divine office is a way of uh, sort of structuring your day with morning prayers, midday prayers, evening prayers, night prayers. Um, all priests pray the divine office. Uh, and uh, it's recently, I think, in the past few years, um, sort of lay people have been discovering the immense benefits to having that sort of rhythm of a prayer life throughout your day. So that is a, a great recommendation and a great way to balance um, that that tech tech time, right, with uh, slowing down and <laughs> in a very important way. So that is a great recommendation. Well, yeah. thank you so, so much for um, talking with us. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your work, Katie. Really, really appreciate you. about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing.